I will start by saying that this will be interesting, the best thing since wrestling. Investing in your devs' ears and nesting. Testing attention, please. This will be a testing episode, everybody. Dope. All right, boys and girls, we have Richard Bumbery here with us. A uh, friend of mine, we've been working together for... Uh, almost a year, I guess. Almost a year. He is, and I know you're going to... You're going to argue with me over this, but he is a testing expert. I call you a testing expert. I, okay. I'm You're not going to... I'm just going to take it, actually. I'm okay. not going to argue at all. Okay, good. All <laughs> Sounds right. great. Cool. Because it is truth. Uh, this is episode 26. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, we have... Um, we have this, is our, this is our first drink, so we haven't had much to drink before this. Uh, that uh, is normally a drunk web tradition which we're not following today richard for some reason yeah here uh, we go <laughs> here we go you know it's gonna go there I, I, it's, it's gotta happen everybody it's, has a thing about yeah. it no go ahead so richard told me that he doesn't really drink uh but he's going to break his rule for us today <laughs> it's not like it's like <laughs> like i'm a straight edge yeah so what, what's the is there a story there no it's not really i just don't like how it tastes it's not that interesting i'm mm. not i i have you know i've tried it obviously it's not like i've never had a drink before mm. um but most of the drinks i have had are you know disgusting so do you hate this less this does not taste terrible and it concerns me because it feels like i have been missing out on a lot of things mm. um it's, it's not like i don't like you know the feeling um right. uh but i just i haven't found that that one drink that i'm like i can't wait to you know, right. see you again and, okay well you live in new york and yeah. there's plenty of um uh, plenty of experts doing yeah. interesting things with with drinks yeah there's one or two out here yeah anyway we are drinking guess what third episode in a row we're drinking hot toddies these things are a hit yeah yeah they i can see why i can see why yeah they're good being uh winter in new york this uh, seems to work out really well for everybody um one last thing before we start uh i want to um say thank you to people who have subscribed lately um there's been quite a bit of um followers and and just attention on spotify uh so i'm really glad we're there itunes doesn't really give you a ton of analytics i don't know why but uh from what i can see uh spotify has been working well uh also i mentioned in the last episode uh i'm doing a little bit of work on the whole patreon uh, platform so you guys check it out. If you like this show, if you want to support it, you can go there and you can start from $1. Uh, and with that $1, you get um, a shout out on air and you also get a sticker, a Drunk Web sticker sent directly to your door. Isn't that a good deal? Yeah, it's pretty dope. I yeah. think you should sign up immediately. Yeah, I think so too. Sign up twice. <laughs> you get two stickers. Well, you can do. <laughs> I don't know if that that's how it works. No, you can do five dollars. You get two stickers okay. and some other stuff, and then it goes all the way to fifty bucks. Well, you should do fifty bucks. There and you get go. five stickers. Is that fifty? I don't know how many okay. that is, but well, but yeah, it's just look it up. It's an option if you are rich and you want to support. Um, so with that said, uh, we're trying to stick to our new format, which is thirty to forty minutes. Um, I'm very happy to have you here, my friend. Thank you for uh, thank you for being here. For sure, happy uh, to be here. 
Yeah. Uh, well, the theme is going to be obviously testing. Uh, and so um, my first question for you is, well, it's not really a question. I, I heard something a couple of days ago that really stuck with me. And I've been thinking about it a lot. And it just somehow resonated so much with me. Such a simple thing. A friend of ours who we hang out with almost every day said, uh, if you can't test it, don't bother building it. And uh, I love that. Who is this? That's, uh, that's shall some, remain nameless. That's some knowledge dropped right, right there. <laughs> that's awesome. So what are your thoughts? Tell people who have no idea what testing is or they think they know what testing is. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody, uh, we're, we're, we are predominantly working on the web, mm-hmm. um, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, um, and on the back end there's Java. But tell everybody within those kind of very common languages, uh, super popular, Mm -hmm. what's going on, what is testing, and just give us some background, and then we can start from there. Broad strokes. Um, Background on testing. Yes. Okay. Um, So I... I, first of all, I, I just want to say I really think that's um, I don't know who said that. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get that out of yeah. some way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, that's a really good uh, sort of point of view. I don't I don't think you are really even writing software unless you're testing it. Um, because you know, as we're we're humans, right? And we're gonna make mistakes. Uh, we make assumptions uh, as we write um, our code, and you know, we think it's gonna do something, and oftentimes it doesn't. It doesn't always work out the way we do. We we think it will. Um, so it's really important that you test, you test, uh, what you, you test your assumptions basically at every level. And I also think testing is really just like, it, it kind of forces you to think about what you're doing in a meaningful sort of thoughtful or deliberate, deliberate way. Um, so that as you're writing something, you're thinking about, you know, the output and what the end user wants and, um, you know, what their expectations are. Uh, so I feel like, you know, just on a general, like very high level testing is really just like being thoughtful as you write software. (laughs) So now the average developer will turn around and say, I test my stuff, dude, I deploy and I'll go and check the feature. And I, I I think it's there. (laughs) You laugh, but (laughs) it is the reality of so many places and so many people. That's what I call cowboy coding. Cowboy coding. All right. Not the way trademark, (laughs) (laughs) not how you write software, at least not for like people. If you're writing software for, I don't know, monsters, I guess. (laughs) Uh, But you know, if, if somebody's going to use your code, you should, you should, you should test it. Right. You want to make sure, um, that you release something with with confidence, and the best way to do that is to test it to make sure um, that it does what you expect every time. Right. Um, catch all the edge cases, and as I said, thinking about those edge cases really helps you um, sort of hone your thought process and even improve your code. Um, because right. you know, when when software isn't testable. Um, Sometimes it's it's too verbose, or sometimes it's too monolithic, and uh, the desire to test it, at least in my experience, um, ha, you know, forces you to to sort of compartmentalize it and make it more modular, um, and uh, ultimately make it more testable, um, which in turn produces you know better software that's easier to maintain, and that's an, that's another important point. I think people that don't test their code forget 
um, when you test something and you have automated tests running, you come back later. Um, tests uh, do a really good job if you write them properly. Uh, they do a really good job as documentation. They help you, you know, understand what your code does without even really diving into the code. And if you're if you come back later and you change something, right. um, it's it's a safeguard. It's a safety net against, you know, did I break something? Did I break something else, you know, that's not even related to the thing I just I just changed. To me, that has been the point of testing. Yep. I mean, I, I get everything else that it gives you, but so often I go back to something that I wrote two months ago, yep. not two years ago, and I just start changing things knowing that I'm going to break stuff. But I don't care because the tests are going to yell at me. And yeah. that has been a godsend. That is, I can't put a price on that. Yeah. That's been really good. Yeah, it makes it it it, it makes it easier to sort of, um, you know, write code with confidence. Right. Um, because the computer is going to yell at you. You know, your, your, um, uh, your terminal is going to, you know, it's going to show red and it's going to tell you, yeah. hey, you, you just broke 9,000 things with that <laughs> one line of code you changed. So um, some people are going to be like, well, I've heard of testing and I've I've looked at the syntax of unit tests. Who are these people? Uh, somebody I interviewed very recently <laughs> oh who God. said, you know what this person said? Yeah, I've, I've seen the syntax, so I, I think I can do it, <clears throat> which... That's fine, you know. If you're a junior person, you you have deal, you have other things to deal with. I I get that. You are you're learning some of the basics, fundamentals. That's okay. that's fine. But that's why we're we're talking on air right now to <laughs> to educate, hopefully. But so, I feel like there's a lot of people out there who don't even know what we're talking about. I don't understand what that means. The the words you just said. <laughs> I don't understand how that's possible? <laughs> well. Look, to the degree that I now, at this point in my career, understand testing, this was not my reality four years ago, you know, maybe mm -hmm. even three years ago. Uh, it's debatable. But I've been writing software for over a decade. And only about three and a half years ago, I really felt like I'm understanding why this is a critical part of what I do, mm. and it's not an afterthought anymore. Mm. This is not a nice to have. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. Imagine I'm a JavaScript guy okay. who who's never written a test. Yep. Let's talk about all these. Well, we the way you and I work. There's mm. four different types of testing. Uh, four are let's just talk about front end. Four, yeah, there right? are four. Yep. And to so I guarantee you, to 95% of people listening right now. Be like four types of what are you oh, talking? More about? than four, right? It depends on your project, but yeah. right. So let's let's talk about those a little bit. So okay. can you break it down from the smallest unit and yeah. go all the way up? Yeah. So uh, nice handoff. The smallest unit is in fact a unit test, um, and as the name implies, you're just testing a unit of code. It's mm -hmm. typically you know some function. Ideally, when you write software, you're writing um, a function or a method. Uh, in a pure way so that it's returning something. Um, so that way you, you give the, the method or the function something and you just test the output. Right. And you test you know how that works under different conditions. Um, the next step up would be an integration test, which is where you test uh, processes. Can I stop you for a second? Yeah, sure. uh, can we um, can we give an example? Of a unit uh, test? Of a unit test, yeah. Um, an example of a unit test would be something like you have a function um, that 
counts the amount of letters in a string. Right. Um, so a unit test would be um, you give that function a string and you test that it returns the correct number. Right. Um, and maybe uh, that, that would be a positive test. A negative test might be you give that function a number and you test how it reacts to that. Obviously, that depends on you know your right. use case and um, your API, whether it returns an error or it just returns right. a, a number. Cool. Um, uh, but basically, what you want to do is test uh, all paths or all you know possible outcomes that you can think of, um, and uh, uh, you're just testing one thing. That's the most important component of a unit test. Ideally, you don't want to be you don't want to make 19 assertions in a unit test. You right. want to test one thing. Actually, uh, in my opinion. I think every test should be only testing one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you, you might want to make assertions along the way to make sure that you know the sort of edge cases are in line. But ideally, a test should only ever test one thing, mm-hmm. um, so that if it fails, you know what's failing with certainty. Um, having said that, a unit test in particular should really only be testing one thing at a time. Cool. All right, so that's the smallest unit. Correct. All right. Then we move up. Yes, the next level next? up would be the integration test. Integration test. Yeah, uh, an integration test is a process, so it might be a bunch of unit tests, or rather units of code, uh, cooperating to do a thing that's kind of larger than any one thing can do on its own. Um, so where you might um, you might be stubbing everything, or or in a in a unit test. With an integration test, you're only stubbing things that aren't necessarily a part of the the process that you're trying to test. In Tell the good people out there what's stubbing. Right, of course, stubbing um, is a mm, I don't know what a process, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. a, a a tool maybe um, in the testing sphere where you're you basically have this this function or this piece of code or this uh, resource that does something, um, and stubbing it means basically telling the um, the process that this thing that you typically interact with um, should you, you're, you're pretending this thing isn't there so you're creating like a fake of mm-hmm. this thing um, so a good example of that might be a database um, maybe in a actually definitely in a unit test you don't want to actually hit a database right. um, but maybe you need in this unit in this specific uh, unit in this function you're going into your database to get a user um, so a good example of stubbing would be you would stub out that database call um, so that you're not actually calling the database. And the reason you do that is because you want unit tests to be as fast as possible and you don't want them to kind of um, hit hit a bunch of external resources or make HTTP calls or right. things like that because you're probably going to have a, a ton of unit tests and you want them to be as quick and, and painless as possible. Cool. Um, so similarly... Uh, circling back in an integration test, you you do want to hit downstream services or resources like databases if it's in the context of the process that you're testing. If it's outside of the process, then you you know you'd also want to to stub or, or fake those so right. that you're not actually you know making those calls um, because they're kind of implementation details. Um, it's not a part of your concern. Actually, let me just say something about implementation details. I see a lot of people when they write unit tests and integration tests, they're testing um, the steps inside of the function, inside of the inside of the method. Sometimes you have to do that because it's not always easy to just test the output 
of a function or a method. Right. Um, sometimes it doesn't return anything and you're testing it. So you, you know, maybe you want to test that it calls something. Like it routes you away to another page. Right. That route call, you can listen for that. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So in your test, you would, you would confirm that it makes that route call. Right. Um, but what you don't want to do, if you have a bunch of conditional if statements, if else statements, excuse me, in this function, what you don't want to do is, um, test every single line of code in a function ideally when you write a test it, it should you shouldn't really care about what's going on unless you have to unless Good point yeah unless you like you pointed out in your example yeah. unless you need to uh to test something because the, all this function does is it calls a route right. you should do that um but you should test uh, I, I think functions and methods are you know they're, they're typically verbs they're almost always verbs so really all you want to test is what the thing is doing what the right. unit of code is doing you don't want to test each step that allows it to do the thing it's doing. So I see a lot of people, they write tests, and this is typically earlier on in their career, they write tests that um, include every single step or every right. single line of code in a function. That's super bad because <laughs> what what we do is, as engineers is we change our minds a lot because you know we're also humans. So um, we might choose to write something this way today and then the next day we'll write it some you know another way so these that makes tests really brittle because every time you change something in your implementation you have to change your code right. that's not something you want to do so in in general across the board you should avoid at all costs um uh, testing implementation details because right. you end up wasting a lot of time just updating tests anytime right. you want to change something okay one sec sure all right Let's move to uh, next step. Okay. A little bit larger. Um, the next step up, uh, unless you have a microservices architecture, mm -hmm. would be end-to-end uh, -end tests. End-to-end um, -end tests, I think, uh, I think the way you can look at end-to-end -end tests is, is black box testing. Uh, black box, excuse me, testing. You're a user. Um, you are clicking on something. You're, mm -hmm. you know, you're entering information and an input. Um, you're, you know, uh, you're playing with an animation. So uh, an end-to-end -end test is sort of from the user perspective, a user flow. Uh, you're not testing individual units of code. You're not testing processes. You're testing a sort of path through the application that you're building. Um, so an end-to-end -end test might be uh, a successful login or an unsuccessful login or, you know, um, you know, creating an account or updating an account and each step that the user would need to take from, you know, logging in to clicking, clicking a link to, um, uh, entering uh, data into a field. And you just want to confirm at each point that the user is able to do, you know, whatever the, the action is, the interaction is, and, uh, that at, at the end of it, um, there aren't any errors. There aren't any, you know, regressions and this, this, this sort of testing is great because it allows you to, um, with confidence, uh, appreciate that the entire, all, all of the units of code together do what you expect them to do. Because oftentimes we can test an individual function and everything works great. And then, um, uh, when we put them together in an integration test, right. it, it doesn't work at all. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes at the integration test level, everything's green. But then when we put a bunch of processes together, uh, it doesn't work at all. So it's it's really important to um, test at each level. 
uh, because if you don't, um, you can't really say you can have 100% confidence that the thing you built works the way you expect it to. In my opinion, E2E is the replacement for manual QA. Mm-hmm. Everything else is, you can have manual QA, you still have to do every, all the other things that we talked about. Yeah. If you don't have manual QA, E2E is a, is a replacement, in my opinion. And that's yeah. when you're writing E2E tests, you can pretty much act as the user. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. Writing your tests with unit tests, you're, you act as the developer. You have to get in the developer mindset. But that that's, I've found that to be difficult for some people where yeah. they're switching from even integration tests, you're switching from unit tests to integration tests. You have to almost change who you are uh, in that whole paradigm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very difficult. Right. And so just, you know, take a break, have some coffee, come back as the user. Mm. And now you're writing a different type of test. So I would I would actually challenge people to start from that point. So mm. don't take yourself out of the developer mind frame before you get to the developer mind frame. Think right. about what you're doing. Think about it from a high level and then drill down into the smallest level. You know, as as product engineers, sometimes we don't have the opportunity to do that because we're given a task and, you know, that's the thing we're focused on. It's it's a very narrow point of view. Right. I would just challenge people to, you know, before you actually start writing code, really think about it. Well, think about what you did on the job interview, you know, when they gave you that, that yeah. coding question. You, sh- you shouldn't just dive right into it. And even if you know the answer, don't just, you, you got to think about it. You got to talk about it. You have to reason about it. You have to, you know, be very deliberate. And I think that's what that's what testing allows us to do in our day jobs. It allows us to be like really deliberate and thoughtful about, you know, uh, the, the thing we're building. Um, so rather than taking yourself out of developer mode, before you get into developer mode, you should think about, you know, the, the use case, whether it's a yeah. unit that's, you know, another another function is going to use. So that function is your user. Or on a higher level, if you're writing into end-to-end tests, you should think about the user before you write, you know, the the uh, the code that ultimately adds up to the end-to-end test. Right. So I think it's important to like really, you know, take a step back before you get started and think about what you're doing. Yeah, that sounded like an after-school special. I don't know. Sound, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense to me. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult because feature yeah. development is exciting for most of us who aren't. You know, I'm an old guy, so I, I still get excited about feature development, but there's other stuff I get excited about. But for most of us, feature development is is cool to see that new piece of data show mm-hmm. up and now we can show this new screen and yeah. it's exciting. So you want to do that and kind of move on. Mm-hmm. But no, you have to just calm down. Yeah, and just relax. Relax, <laughs> write some tests, make sure make sure it works. That's That's great. So now... Something that we have dealt with quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. Oh, I know what this is going to be about. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's go there. I mean, let's bite the bullet. Mm-hmm. How how are we doing on hot toddies? Uh, good. It's it's good. getting a little. It's like a lukewarm cut, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I'm almost out. So last episode we only had time for one, but uh, that's a little sad. Yeah. We had more after the show, but okay. uh, it's always nice to drink it and, to and talk. By the way, we, we never cheers. 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 Salute. Um, how's everybody doing? This is testing. <laughs> Investing in your devs' ears and nesting. <laughs> um, so, all right. All that set up for our beloved 
contract us. Let's go there, my friend. This this thing has been very new for me. It's been yeah. an adjustment quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. And we're not really 100% there yet. But I, mentally, I've accepted that mm -hmm. these are a part of my day-to-day. -day. Yeah. So tell the good people out there, tell the Drunk Web Nation, because <laughs> I steal that from Colbert, uh, <laughs> the Drunk Web Nation, tell them uh, what is contract testing, yep. where they come from. Um, the origin story of contract testing is... <coughs> is John Sink. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, John Sink started this whole thing. Shout out to John Sink. Yep. Um, he uh, uh, championed this before I got to you know where we work so mm -hmm. um uh that that's on him <laughs> so please talk give him a call send no, him an no. email <laughs> i'm not i'm not bitter i'm not bitter i'm good no um, i'm on your side so contract testing is actually not something i was familiar with before i you know i met uh john um and uh i it took me a while to kind of wrap my head around it um and it wasn't until another one of our team members um uh, started uh, and really um, solved a challenge that we had regarding uh, dynamic data and contract testing that right. I really kind of, you know, sort of started to understand it. And now I think when you're doing uh, microservices, now I think it's an integral part of the whole ecosystem. It should be an AC. Yes, it yeah. should be. Yeah. Um, when basically, uh, when we're talking about microservices, we're talking about two um separate applications and you know one application consumes data from another and you know the other application might consume data from another and you have this whole um, web of applications sending data to and fro um so contract testing allows us to have confidence that you know the the services that we depend on um are keeping up their end of the bargain in terms of what our expectations are. Well put. So, um, uh, what basically what it is is service A is a consumer, and contract testing, by the way, is a consumer-driven testing paradigm. So the way it's supposed to work is the consumer service um, writes this contract that says, "I need A, B, C, D." from service B and service B looks at that contract and says, okay, let me see if I can provide that. So service B um, runs it, that contract against its own API. And you know, if there are gaps, obviously the devs and that work on service B will fill those gaps. Right. Otherwise we're all green we're good to go. And right. you know, service A can continue to move forward in confidence. So this is basically um, a way for service A to request things from service B. And and the consumer uh there's there's more front end people listening than back end, but mm -hmm. so service A could be a front end application, right? That that mm -hmm. would be the the consumer, right? So yeah. you are consuming let's say iTunes API, yep. you are the consumer and yep. the, the really API itself example. yeah, is the is the provider. Right. 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 So um if we're talking about a front end application, you might need um I don't know, user data. You might need a user data object from um, iTunes. Um, and you expect it to have certain properties. Right. Um, so a contract test would allow you to write, <coughs> excuse me, write your uh, front end uh, application 
with confidence that iTunes doesn't suddenly change their API and, you know, not tell you and suddenly you have a 404 error or you're right. missing data on your page or, you know, something's not right. Right. In the case of, sorry to interrupt, but in the case of iTunes is different because there's versioning and it's a, it's a whole separate team. It's a different organization. But where, when you're in the same organization um, and versioning is not uh, a possibility mm-hmm. for, for whatever reason, uh, it's more common than you think. <laughs> you are you are at the mercy of communication with mm. your provider. And so this really all this does in my in my mind is it closes the communication gap. Yeah. And I think it works even when the service provider is outside of your organization. It works mm. the same way. Obviously if you know they're versioning that helps. That right. helps tremendously. Right. Um but ideally it doesn't really matter who's providing you the data. Because you're the consumer, you have expectations, you write them down, and then the provider just makes sure they can provide that, you know, that right. data, those ex- to meet those expectations. Um, and it, it's really just a way for you to kind of, you know, hold them accountable and make sure that they're doing what you expect. Yeah. All right. Um, check it out, guys. Uh, Pack.js is, yes. you know, what we were, what I recommend. I think you recommend too. Yeah, I don't know of any other implementation actually of contract right. testing. Yeah, for JavaScript. The applications Pact has been pretty pretty good for us. Uh, take a look. Shout out to the guys at Pact. Um, it's an interesting Pact Foundation. Pact Foundation, yeah, it's an interesting concept, and definitely took some time for me mentally to get my head around yeah. it. But once I got it, uh, it seems to go very. It's very much aligned with what we started the episode with. If you can't test it, don't fucking bother. Yeah, right. really. So, <laughs> don't do um, microservices if, if you don't need to also. They're, they're right. a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you can just do a monolith, just do that. Yeah, if you can. If you can. Yeah. Um, so, for people who build cool stuff at home and they got, you know, personal projects, they're, they're building features. There's oh, no product owner. Yeah. <laughs> You're too smart, man. You always see. <laughs> Richard never lets me finish. Yeah, no, he knows. But where do we start? Let's say there's a guy mm-hmm. uh, and, or, or a lady that are working on a project. Okay. And they're building the stuff at home at night on weekends. They deserve some credit. Yeah. But they're also breaking stuff. Where do you start? Let's say they have no tests. Wow. Um, <laughs> are you appalled? Yeah, I'm a little disgusted. <laughs> um, so I can I can speak from personal experience on this. I have a side project. I think most devs have side projects. So we all yeah. have dreams yeah, and aspirations. To some level. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the reason I uh, I don't I. I don't actually consider myself a testing expert. Um, I guess some people do. See, I knew you were going to argue <laughs> with it. <laughs> right. But um, the reason I know so much about it is because I struggled with it on my own project. But mm-hmm. I was like obsessive about it um, right at the beginning. I um, learned. So I started coding with Ruby. And the Ruby community is fanatical about TDD. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really tried hard to understand TDD. I didn't get it, by the way. Um, TDD is hard for, well, I didn't get it until I just moved over to JavaScript is what I'll say. Right. TDD is really difficult. Um, when you're just starting out, it's really difficult to sort of think about, um, TDD, by the way, is test driven development. It basically means you write your test before you even write your code. So it's really difficult to write tests for some people. Some people are great at it. Um, it's really difficult to write tests before 
you write your code. So um, ultimately, I moved on to Python and then finally settled on JavaScript. Um, and I started working on one of my own projects. Um, and I wanted to try doing test-driven development. And it was super hard because it was my, it was a microservices architecture. Um, so I'm, you know, building different services. And I, by the way, I had no idea how to test, you know, the connection between the microservices. Now I do big off to John Singh. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, I struggled with, you know, I struggled with it just like, I feel like it's, so testing isn't any different from writing code. It's the same, you're writing code to, to test the code you wrote. That's all it is. So the way that most of us learn things is by struggling through it and just figuring it out. You know, you can read stuff, you can you know, watch videos, somebody can talk about it. Um, but when you do it yourself, you can, you can read about pushups all day, <laughs> right? <laughs> the, they're not, you're not going to get huge arms just reading about no, pushups. No. It doesn't work like you gotta that. Do it. it's, it's the same with testing. Right. Uh, same with writing code. Right. Um, so testing is just writing code that tests your code. <laughs> That's yeah. all it is. So really I, I would suggest you just start, Start somewhere. Start, um, pick a pick one of the functions that you have and try to test it. Uh, if you can't test it, it probably means it's a shitty function and you should rewrite it. Right. Um, but if you can, you know, uh, maybe maybe you know what you're doing and um, you should expand on that. Try to test uh, every unit. Try to get 100% code coverage. If you don't know what that is, that means um, you've tested every path and every function. Um, try to get as close to 100% as possible. 100% is pretty hard. Um, and then tr test processes. Test how um, how a bunch of different units communicate with each other. Test uh, everything you can because it it gives you confidence that um, what you're doing is is rather what you want to do is actually what you're doing and. Um, it uh, it makes you a better developer. It makes you a better coder, yeah. um, because as you as you write tests, you'll see that some of your assumptions were incorrect. You'll see that some things are taking way longer than you want them to. You'll see that, you know, different edge cases like weird things are getting returned, and you know maybe you need this instead of that. You can't really manual testing is fine, but you can't really rely solely right. on manual testing when you get to that kind of granular level. So it's really important to you know just yeah. try. Um, one of the interesting things that I, uh, I learned about testing early on was that uh, say you have a function and you're calling it from two places mm -hmm. in your application. Um, let's say it takes a number. Sure. Right. And that's great. In those two places, you're passing a number. Now, what happens if, uh, the drunk, uh, or the, the, the hungover intern comes in <laughs> and he calls your function uh, and he forgets to pass the function, the the number to the function. Uh, now you're getting an undefined, mm -hmm. and when you are, when it's just you and your and your function and your your two places that you're calling it, yeah, you're good. I mean, you're right to think that I don't need tests for this. But then, what's going to happen when an undefined is passed? In, yeah. Right. So, but you can predict the future. Or rather, you don't even need to predict the future. Uh, you yeah. can you can protect yourself from the future asshole. Yes. And write. That might be you, by the way. Might be you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you more often forget. than not, that is you. Yeah. <laughs> and just see what happens when you pass in an undefined. And that test is going to protect you uh, from the future yeah. bad actor. Yeah. A lot of people um, forget 
or don't know, I guess, if you're super new to it, that testing, or sorry, uh, writing code, being a software engineer, uh, web developer, whatever you want to call yourself, um, it's social. You're, yeah. not, you're not doing it by yourself. And even if you, you're just starting out and you're writing code by yourself for now, I'm assuming you want to grow into a, you know, a larger group. Yeah. So ultimately, you can't write everything by yourself. Um, you can't do everything yourself. And so it's really important that you think about, you know, the long term and that other people might be using your code. Yeah. Uh, other people might be using these functions you're writing and they might be using it in ways that you don't, you know, you might not consider uh, immediately. So it's really important to test the code under different conditions, um, not just positive uh, tests, but also negative tests so right. that when you have a function that's supposed to, you know, get some kind of input, and you don't give it the input, what is it going to do? Is right. it just going to return undefined? Is it going to return a helpful message to say, hey, yeah. you got to pass something in. Um, this isn't going to work. You know, so um, testing also helps. As I said before, it's it kind of works as documentation in a lot of ways because um, you have a function that's supposed to add two numbers um, and you have five or six tests um, that, you know, test different edge cases. Yeah. Uh, somebody can just run that you know, that, that test suite and they can see, all right, well, this is what happens when I, when I interact with this function in these ways. Right. Um, and that could be you a month from now. Cause you forgot. Yeah. You don't know how to add two numbers. When I test reason. a function, the first thing I do is I pass it undefined null zero empty string. I love the negative ones Yeah. because those are the ones that you usually don't think about in your implementation. Right. You know, you can, maybe if you're cool, you can, handle numbers where it's supposed to be a string or vice versa sure. but how often are you are you actually implementing an empty string you know that that might be that might be legit but maybe not um and i want to bring it home actually uh by saying that it might be something that you are not super into uh doesn't make you excited and at that very moment to write those tests mm -hmm. but i want to use you richard as an example because you I happen to know, little birdie told me that you have uh, an interest in building UIs and CSS, and and um, and I hope we get to do that. You know, more, yeah, me too. More, more. <laughs> but um, you have a task at hand, you know. And and we, if we have the audacity to call ourselves software engineers, right? Any other engineer in the world, whatever they work on, aside so software they have to test the crap out of whatever it is they're engineering, yeah. right? If you're building a bridge, oh God. Right, yes, you test please. every piece of it. Please do that right? if you're building bridges. This isn't different. If you, yep. if, you, if you are cocky enough to call yourself a software engineer, you have to act as an engineer. And what Richard has done um, is you've taken the, the existing situation right now in your career where you've been given this opportunity to, to lead to a good degree, this testing effort for a certain number of teams um, might not be exactly what you want to do in that very moment, but you approach it from a, hey, let's do this the right way, and there's always going to be time for me to write CSS. Yeah. Always, in fact, uh, we get together sometimes at 4.30 p.m. Yeah. Between 4.30 and 5.30, we just walk through some when CSS architecture <laughs> <laughs> when nobody else needs our attention. When the office is empty. Yeah, and that's that's really the, the lesson um the takeaway yeah i agree um richard it's been 40 minutes okay can you believe that i can't yeah I think you're lying it feels <laughs> feels like 20 to me um 
Is there anything you want to add about testing before we wrap up? Um, I just think, I just want to say again that I think it's really, so it's, it's like, it's not the, those, the sexiest part of software engineering. Um, but it's also really important to consider it a part of software engineering. Um, it's like, you know, you, you, you brush your teeth, right? Cause you want, you, you want, you want your teeth to be clean. You don't want your breath to be smelly. Just test your code. So it's not, it's clean and it's not smelly. That's all I'm saying. I love it. <laughs> Uh, a couple episodes ago, I I I said the exact same thing about um, tech debt and refactoring and cleaning up after yourself. Yeah. Uh, the toothbrush analogy and everything. The toothbrush. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, listen, it, this isn't something you do once a month because a lot of people think that way. They think, oh, I'm just going to come back and clean. No, you do it every sprint. You do it yeah. every day. Um, testing that actually applies even more to that analogy, yeah. which is uh, you are. Let's say your your implementation is like eating food. Mm-hmm. Your testing is like brushing your teeth. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and so, <laughs> man, that's uh, it's deep. I like that. Yeah. Um, any shout outs before we wrap up? Uh, no, I don't want to shout anybody out. That's that's how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> no, shout out to my girlfriend, um, Marissa. Nice. Hi. What up? If you're out there. Uh, but that's all. No one else gets a shout out. She is probably going to skip to the very end to hear this because who wants to listen to uh, she, if you if you don't write JavaScript or Ruby or she Python? She thinks what I do is super boring. So <laughs> <laughs> she does not care at, at all. Well, can you blame her? No, that's uh, that's what I would think too. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, uh, Richard, for being yeah, here. Sure, thanks for having uh, me. Yeah, this is. Uh, I, I've been saying this. Probably the listeners are tired of me saying this, but. With these shorter episodes, I always say <clears throat> we're going to cut it down to 40 minutes, but we're going to make sure that this isn't the last time you're here, right? And one of my f- the favorite things to do on the podcast is to have like group episodes, yeah. right? To have two guests, three guests, and, and we argue, and, and that that's really cool. So perhaps next time you're here, we can pair you up with somebody yeah, who... Yeah, be down for that. Yeah. Who hates testing. Somebody <laughs> who hates testing, I- let's do that uh, um and so uh yeah thank you again for being here thank you guys for li- listening i hope you got something from uh this conversation uh there's a, no- a lot of knowledge that, that richard just dropped um on a silver platter just take it and think about it and and apply it to your day-to-day thank you for bringing your radio voice my friend oh yeah you know? take it with me everywhere I go. <laughs> Don't I'm gonna get some, I'm gonna get Instagram messages. People uh, asking you to become the new host. <laughs> like, God damn it! I shouldn't have brought him on. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Yeah, but I appreciate it. Um, I guess since we're out of time, we can have uh, round two. Yeah, let's offline. Do let's do it. And uh, until next time, good night. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye.